welcome to this week's Nesson Patriots podcast. I'm Doug Tide, joined as always remotely by Zach Cox. Zach, how are you doing? Not too bad. We're, the, the remote studio is coming along a, a little <laughs> bit more from last week. I feel like yeah. every time we do one of these videos, we've got a new light or a new cord or a new something going on over here. It's a little bit of a, uh, uh, it looks like a little bit of a mess. I'm not going to lie. My computer is on a stack of about 15 books right now to uh, get it at the proper <laughs> height. But we got a lot going on, but we're, we're powering through. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm on, my computer's on a Tupperware container right now. So <laughs> we're both doing this um, without, uh, you know, the, the, the perfect equipment. But no, I think it's, it's coming along well right now. And uh, yeah, we're, these, these shoots are going to continue to improve as we get used to this. It seems like we're not going to be, you know, back with each other for quite a while now. So I think it's going about as well as planned. Uh, the Patriots are also trying to go according to plan right now and they currently only have two quarterbacks on their roster perhaps some of the biggest news of the past week for the Patriots is the Patriots cut Cody Kessler and that in itself isn't the biggest news breaking item but it does bring the Patriots back down to two quarterbacks which means that they might be quarterback needy now in free agency or in the NFL draft so we actually now have to start looking at quarterbacks a little bit more than we did previously when the Patriots had Jared Sid and Brian Hoyer and Cody Kessler. Now there's a vacancy to fill. Yeah, I think it guarantees that they will be quarterback needy in some capacity because with, with Cody Kessler on the depth chart, there was a chance that they could have just gone into training camp and into OTAs if they happen with those three quarterbacks there. Three quarterbacks on a depth chart is plenty to go into a, uh, a training camp or a preseason with. There was still a chance that they might have uh, drafted somebody in there, maybe add like a day three guy to kind of supplement that group. But now with only two quarterbacks, you're not going into camp with two quarterbacks. So they will be adding somebody to that group. The question now is what kind of level of caliber or level of, of notoriety will that player be? Will it be just a, another kind of fourth or fifth or sixth round flyer type guy? Or will it be either an early draft pick or, or a free agent out there. That's going to be probably one of the biggest questions surrounding this Patriots team now over the next, uh, what do we have till the draft? A little bit more than a month? Uh, or no, less oh, than a month than now. Like so like over, over the next three weeks or so, yeah. So there, exactly. there's definitely a hole to fill there. Yeah, so I mean, I guess the question is, what do you think they should do at this point? I, the, the options that we laid out, uh, free agency, they could add some other kind of bottom of the barrel type quarterback option similar to a Cody Kessler, you know, Blake Bortles would be an option. Um, another option would be to, to aim a little bit higher, get a Cam Newton or an Andy Dalton, uh, Jameis Winston, someone like that in there. Uh, they could take an early round quarterback, try to get Jordan Love or Justin Herbert or get way up there to take their next starter, settle for someone in the middle round, someone like Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, or Jalen Hurts. Or go with a later round option and, you know, get a, a Jake Luton or a Nate Stanley or a Anthony Gordon. So I'll, I'll shoot this out to you first. Out of all of those options, who do you think should be the Patriots number three quarterback in 2020? I think the best option of those is probably the second to last one you mentioned. Uh, draft a quarterback in sort of the middle rounds, either a third round guy, fourth round guy, kind of similar situation to where they got Stidham last year, maybe a little bit earlier. I could see them maybe doing something in the first round now, but I just don't really like Jordan Love as a fit for the Patriots, just given kind of the interception issues he had and, and, and all of that. He just doesn't really seem like he fits 
what the Patriots are, are looking for. Maybe if Justin Herbert falls down, then maybe he's a guy that they could go after. Maybe they can make a crazy trade for, for Tua Tungavailoa, which I don't really think they'll have the ammunition to do. But for me, I mean, I kind of discount both of the first two options because I still don't think, unless Cam Newton becomes incredibly, incredibly cheap over these next couple of months, which I guess is a possibility given his, his medical issues and the, the lack of physicals and all that, I don't think it makes a lot of sense given their cap situation to invest a lot in one of those veteran quarterbacks right now. And I think if they were going to get a bottom of the barrel level guy, a, a Blake Bortles type, they would have just kept Cody Kessler because right. he has a year of experience in their system. And I don't see any of those guys out there being a noticeable improvement, even though I do like Bortles. I think Bortles would have been a, a good kind of backup level player to have here in new England. He just, he's not that much different than, than Cody Kessler for me. So I think if the Patriots were going to stick with that route, they might as well have the guy that they already know that isn't going to have to learn an entire new offense. So it's, I think the, the most likely scenario is getting a, a Hertz, a Fromm, a Jacob Eason, uh, even maybe if people are talking about someone like James Morgan might even be, be kind of rising up into that middle round zone. Um, I'm not quite sure if he's, he's worth that level of a pick from the, the little work that I've done on him, but I, I don't know. What's your, your read on this situation? I, I agree with you for the most part. I, I don't really see the point in getting someone like Cam Newton or Andy Dalton uh, or Jameis Winston with the way that the season's going to be set up in 2020, where these guys probably won't even practice for the Patriots until, who knows, July or August. So even if, if that's the point. So I, I don't think that it makes any sense to grab someone like that. I also, I don't love the early round quarterbacks. You know, I like Justin Herbert, but I don't think there's a chance the Patriots can get him. And I'm with you. I don't really like Jordan Love that much either. I'm not sure if he's worth the number 23 overall pick in the draft. And I don't know if he's better than Jarrett Stidham. So it's also interesting that this week um, it was uh, Daniel Jeremiah released some, some scouting notes from Bill Belichick from 1991. And obviously a lot of things can change in 19 years here. But the first thing on the note about quarterbacks was the quarterback has to make good decisions. And Jordan Love had 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions last season. So that leads me to believe that he might not be the greatest fit for the Patriots. Interestingly enough, number two on that list of criteria was arm. And I don't think that Jake Fromm, who's a player that a lot of people have mentioned with the Patriots, would be the greatest fit from that regard because Jake Fromm doesn't have the biggest arm. So if you're looking at good decisions, that might eliminate Jordan Love. If you're looking for a big arm, that might eliminate Jake Fromm. So I think that Jacob Eason or, or Jalen Hurts are probably the two best options. If we're talking about taking a player in you know, the second, third, or fourth round. For me personally, I'm a University of Washington fan. I had gigantic hopes for Jacob Eason heading into the 2019 season. Um, I was sort of sick of Jake Browning with the, with the Huskies. He had basically reached his ceiling as far as year one or year two went. And I thought that the Huskies really couldn't get to that second level with Jake Browning as their quarterback. So I thought that Jacob Eason would be the guy who could bring them that to, the, to that level. And he just didn't do it. The Huskies had a very subpar season. I thought that Jacob Eason had a, a fairly subpar season as well. Maybe he would have been better if he had stuck around for another year. But I personally didn't see enough from him in 2019 to lead me to believe that he's going to be significantly better 
than Jared Stidham. And if you're taking quarterback in the second or third round this year, I think you want that guy to enter training camp above Jared Stidham on the depth chart. I'm not sure if Jacob Eason's that guy. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, is someone who you might be able to maneuver around your offense a little bit more. He's a lot more athletic. Um, he ran a lot at Oklahoma and Alabama, even caught some passes there. I, I know that he told me at the NFL Scouting Combine that he wants to be a quarterback at the next level. But if he doesn't win that starting job this summer, the Patriots could still do something with him. They could still use him in wildcat packages or in auction packages, or they could use him as sort of a, a change of pace quarterback along with Jared Sidham. So that would be my choice. I don't love Jordan Love. Don't love Jacob Eason. I don't think that Jake Fromm's the best fit. So for me, it would either be Jalen Hurts or wait until the end of the draft and grab your next Danny Etling type guy. See if someone like Anthony Gordon, or like you said, James Morgan, someone like that could show enough in training camp to stick around as a third quarterback. Otherwise, because I, I personally think that rolling with Jared Sidham for this season, seeing what he can do uh, in the Patriots for the 2020 season is, is the best thing the Patriots can do this year. Yeah, let me ask you about, about Eason, because you watched a lot more Pac-12 football than I did this past season. But from reading the, some of the scouting reports and just the sort of the pre-draft chatter, it seems like he's like a bizarro Jake Fromm, where like Jake Fromm doesn't really have the arm, doesn't yeah. really have, <laughs> have the physical tools, but he's got the, the, the kind of pocket presence, the, the leadership, the football IQ, all that stuff. And then you read up on Eason, it's like, this guy can throw the ball a mile. He's got the perfect kind of measurables, but his decision-making isn't great. And he's kind of a spaz in the pocket. Sometimes it's, it seems like it's, they're kind of two, two sides to the same coin. Yeah. It, they, they're essentially basically complete opposites. Yeah. They're bizarre. <laughs> of each other. Uh, there's Jake and bizarro Jake. I'm not sure which one is Jake and which one's bizarro Jake, but first of all, why is every quarterback now named Jake? A lot uh, of we, just, we just mentioned Jake from Jacob Eason. <laughs> Um, and Jake Browning all in one segment here. But yeah, I, that, that describes Jacob Eason pretty well. He's a decent athlete. He's got, I guess, ideal size for the quarterback position at 6'6", 230. Big arm, but does panic a little bit under pressure. I think I was reading something from, I forgot who it was, so I don't want to mess this up. Um, but basically, his numbers under pressure were like historically bad last mm. season. So as soon as that pocket collapses, he, he is just sort of a spaz, like you said. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if the Patriots want a project for that position, maybe you take Jacob Eason, but that's a little high to be taking a project when you do have other needs to fill on the roster. And, and let's get away from quarterback for a second and, and talk about some of those other needs on the Patriots roster, because there was another former NFL scout, um, what the, uh, the senior bowl executive. It was uh, Jim Nagy. Jim Nagy tweeted out saying that what the Patriots asked their scouts to do is ask for a projection in year three. So what is this player going to be in year three on your roster? Which says to me that the Patriots typically don't like drafting for need. They like drafting with year three in mind. Is this guy going to be a starter in year three? Is he going to be a backup in year three? Is he going to be a special teamer in year three? So that's sort of where you have to start with some of the Patriots, you know, draft needs but then there's also needs that are immediate needs that would also be needs in year three and one of those is tight end so let's get into tight end a little bit as far as the draft concerns because tight end is a need right now and it's also a year a need years from now because it's a need right now there are only tight ends on the roster are Ryan Izzo and Matt Lacoste so if you're taking say Jacob Eason 
very high in this year's draft, that might mean that you have to skip out on a tight end for another year. And the Patriots really need at least one or two guys at that position this year. Yeah, I've been running a, a lot of those fan speak mock drafts lately, as I know you have. And obviously, they're highly, unsci- highly unscientific. And the, the people running the Patriots drafts are going to have a much better sense of things than, than we will or the, uh, the computers at the, over at Fanspeak will. But every time I found myself drafting, either using that 23rd pick on someone like Jordan Love or, or picking one of those second-tier quarterbacks in the third round, it was really difficult to sort of arrange it in a way where you do fill that tight end need. You do fill that potential wide receiver need. You fill uh, a backup tackle, a linebacker. There are a lot of areas that the Patriots still need to address on this team. And I know they're, I'm almost certain they're going to do something trade-wise to, to sort of rejigger that whole process and, and get themselves a little bit more flexibility there at the top of the draft. But when you do have such a dire need at tight end, they probably need to draft two tight ends at this point, or maybe they don't need to, but it would really help them to draft two tight ends in this draft, especially, and in, in they sort of have to get one of those top three or four, because there's not a lot of tight end talent in this class. It's, it's something that I do think they need to prioritize either with a trade into the second round, or at the very least, one of those pick 87, pick 98 whatever 100 yeah they've got to think about those three picks near the end of the third round at the very least by that point they they need to have one tight end on this roster I think yeah I mean they either need to sign someone like Delaney Walker then draft one tight end or like you said I mean in a lot of the the mock drafts that I've been doing I've been doubling up on tight end and sometimes that even means if you trade into the second round if you trade back in the second round and pick up two second round picks maybe you use both of those on tight ends and you grab Cole Komet and Adam Troutman, or you grab Adam Troutman and um, Hunter Bryant, or you can throw Harrison Bryant in there. There's, it, it seems like it's a very small window to be able to get one of those top tight ends. And the top tight ends, as far as everyone seems to be concerned, are Adam Troutman out of Dayton, Hunter Bryant out of Washington. Uh, you've got Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic, Cole Komet out of Notre Dame, and then uh, Albert Okurubunum? I think is how you Albert say his o. name. Albert O. That's what I go with. And that's really the top tight ends in this draft. And then you could throw Thad Moss in there as well, but it seems he's, he might be more like a, a day three pick. But those other tight ends that I mentioned are basically going to go from the beginning of the second round into the end of the third round. So if they're going to grab two of those guys, they probably do need to slide back into the second round to grab one of the better players in there. Um, and quite frankly, as long as they get someone who's big enough to block, whether that is Troutman, Komet, or Oku Wubunum, then they could use that other tight end spot on someone who's a little bit smaller, maybe like a Hunter Bryant, or, a, or I guess I didn't mention uh, Bryson Hopkins before too. They, they can kind of mix and match like they did in 2010 with, with Kronk and Hernandez, but that should really be the goal this year because they've ignored the tight end position for so long that they do now need to use a lot of draft capital on tight ends this year. Yeah, I can already see it, and I want to kind of push some Patriots fans away from this. I can see Patriots fans becoming very angry that the Patriots aren't drafting Thaddeus Moss in the late <laughs> third round. Right. I don't think Thaddeus Moss is going to be drafted until midway through day three. Yeah. Probably. He's definitely a guy that uh, his performance in the national championship sort of, sort of elevated himself in the minds of a lot of fans. Uh, he's also coming off a foot injury, I believe uh, that was revealed at, at the combine. So pump the brakes if the Patriots don't end up using a, a middle round pick 
on Thaddeus Moss. I do think he, he is a guy that, that could make some sense for the Patriots in the later rounds, though, especially uh, with his blocking ability. And, and speaking of, probably the, the thing that stood out to me most about that, um, that scouting sheet that Daniel Jeremiah shared yeah. the other day was that in big letters, underlined letters, the tight end does not have to be a blocker. Which is, <laughs> which is funny because that's really the opposite of everything that Bill Belichick has, has used during his entire right. Patriots tenure. Obviously, it was written back in 1991, and, and things have changed a lot since then. Uh, but, but that was, was definitely the line that, that really stuck out to me because it basically explains it, – it basically is saying it's okay to have a, a Jordan Reed type, which are the types that the Patriots have always kind of steered clear from. So that was, that was funny to me. I did also think it was kind of interesting that, so in those notes, I'm trying to drag them up right now. Um, I think that the, the date matters to some degree because I, in, the, in these notes, he says, um, can also be the in-betweener, uh, not quite a tight end, not quite, not, not quite fast enough to be a wide, a wide receiver, Novacek, Houlihan type, uh, 6'3", 235 minimum. That's 6'3", 235 in 1991, which might at this point be 6'3", 250. Because yeah. guys really, I mean, I was, I was going through some sort of, uh, you know, a draft article today, and I think it was Andy Heck, the Seahawks offensive tackle, it was drafted in 1989 in the first round. He was like six foot six, 270 pounds. So you basically have to add like 15 to 20 pounds as far as what a tight end might have been in 1991 you would have like 250 pound defensive lineman back then like exactly it was, yeah. oh yeah like joe nash who was the seahawks nose tackle was like 260 pounds now that player has to be like 330 pounds so yeah it was much different sizes back then but it, they basically what belichick was saying is that a guy essentially just needs to get in the way and if we're looking at this tight end class bryson hopkins who we both saw at the nfl scouting combine he's like 6'4, 240 ish Skinny. Probably not skinny, big skinny, enough skinny. to get in the way. Yeah, that's a guy without probably the upper body strength or the lower body strength to even get in the way. So I'd say that there is still a divide there where, yeah, a guy might not have to be the greatest blocker in the world because uh, Belichick even wrote in those notes that he's not looking for an offensive line type guy in a tight end's jersey. He's looking for a tight end who can catch. But that guy also has to get in the way uh, as far as being a blocker goes. I've got one new draft obsession as far as tight ends go that I just need to address while we're talking about this. Love it. Dalton Keene out of West Virginia. No one's really talked about Dalton Keene, which I think is somewhat interesting. He's got decent size. He's six foot four, 253 pounds, ran a 47140, which is one of the fastest times of all of the tight ends at the combine, ran a 7073 cone, which is really good for a tight end. And a 419 short shuttle, which would have been really good as far as a wide receiver goes this year. And he also had some decent production at West Virginia in three seasons 59 catches, 748 yards, eight touchdowns. He actually came out early, which I think might be one reason why he is a little bit of a sleeper right now. Uh, he's got a, a pretty gnarly mustache that he rocks, and he's got some long hair. Uh, he's known as sort of a versatile guy who can play some fullback and play some tight end. I don't know. I mean, he, he might even be my pick in later rounds over a guy like Thad Moss, just because you know he's a little bit more athletic. And he's probably even a little bit bigger than Thad Moss, too, because Thad Moss is only, what, six foot two or something? Yeah. Uh, trying to bring it up now. He's six foot two, 250. So 
I'd probably prefer the 6'4", 253 guy over the, the 6'2", 250 guy. Um, but I, I just, I found it a little bit interesting that, that Dalton Keene has flown so far under the radar as far as athletic tight ends go. Because beyond those top six guys that we mentioned, there's not a lot of athletic options in this draft. Yeah, this is the kind of the fun time in the pre-draft process where we, we've already talked about a lot of the, the name brand type guys, the top level guys, even the top level sleepers, if that makes sense. Because it seems like everybody has the same sleepers. Be like, oh, right. this guy, nobody's talking about him. But everybody's talking about the fact that nobody's talking about him. <laughs> right. so you just kind of get further down the rabbit hole and just find these. I, I watched a bunch of Charlie Tamopeo highlights. Oh, yeah, earlier. another one. Portland and he played, State? Yeah, he plays at Portland State, <laughs> and the, uh, the video production quality of Portland State football <laughs> games is, is not great. I'll say that. There's a lot of graininess trying to figure out which, uh, which guy was number 89 down there. But yeah. he's another kind of ath more athletic-type tight end, uh, a guy who was breaking tackles left and right from what I saw. Obviously, he was at a little bit of a lower level of, of competition. But, yeah, there are some, some kind of – this is the period where you start digging down and you just find guys that you might have maybe heard their name earlier, but, but you start, um, start kind of digging into them a little bit better or a little bit deeper, rather. And one other guy, speaking of digging a little bit deeper, that I want to bring up is not a tight end, but this is a guy, a linebacker from Cal named Evan Weaver. Yeah. He has probably the best uh, NFL draft profile of anybody that I've ever seen. Uh, Lance Zerline really pulled out all the stops on this one. It says <laughs> it's his, his overview starts off with rambunctious tackle sponge and perennial grudge holder who lives to prove people wrong. That's fantastic. That's yeah. I mean, he's a, he's an undersized guy, so he wouldn't really fit the Patriots profile, but he, he's he's, he looks, though, is he? he's like I think he's like two thirty. Yeah. He's six two two thirty seven. I'm a psychopath when it comes to the draft. <laughs> he's like six, but he's, he's got some similar measurables to like a Camus Grugier Hill yeah. they drafted a couple years ago. Could be a special teams guy. Had like 180 tackles last year. So keep, keep that, uh, keep that guy's name in your mind. He's, he's, he's rambunctious according <laughs> to Lance Zerline, which is a, an underused compliment. I personally think that linebacker is the second biggest need on the Patriots right now. Uh, it would go tight end than linebacker for me just by the fact that they, they lost Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, and Landon Roberts in free agency. They really only have two inside linebackers on their entire roster in Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley. You could throw um, – what's his name? The, Copeland. Uh, what was that? Copeland. Oh, yeah, Copeland, but he's a little but bit he's, more – He's more of an edge guy, yeah. It was the uh, undrafted free agent. Oh, uh, Therese season. Hall. Yeah, Therese Hall you could possibly throw in there, but he's a little bit more of an undersized guy as well. So I think that, you know, an inside linebacker is probably, like I said, the second biggest need on the team. But you do have to look for bigger guys at that position. And for me personally, I cut off the weight somewhere around like 235 as far as a Patriots type linebacker goes. And there's just not a lot of the bigger guys in this draft. Um, the, the one guy that I think fits really well is Malik Harrison out of Ohio State. But as far as those mock drafts that we've been going, like you said, you know, it's not an exact science by any means, but you basically have to get Malik Harrison by that first third round pick that the Patriots have. So like you were saying, if you use that 23rd overall pick on say a quarterback, then you take someone like Malik Harrison with that number 87 overall pick, then you're waiting until the end of the third round to fill your tight end position needs. So 
I don't know. I know that Bill Belichick is going to, you know, throw us all for a loop and draft a cornerback or a running back or a guard or something in the first round. And then they'll just boot the tight end position and linebacker again. But just as far as I look at the draft this year, you have to address that linebacker need pretty early because some of the names that you might be talking, like those bigger linebackers are going to be going off the board um, by the time the Patriots are drafting and probably the, the third or fourth round, the Malik Harrison's, or Kenneth Murray is another bigger linebacker. Uh, Logan Wilson is another guy that I like out of Wyoming. But it, that that brand of linebacker just barely exists coming out of college at this point. Yeah, you don't see too many of them. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Patriots kind of went so far off the, the radar to get Jawan Bentley a couple of years ago, because he kind of does fit that, that bigger linebacker mold. He was a guy that I hadn't even heard of before that draft, wasn't invited to the combine, was really kind of a, a – a sort of shot in the dark type dude which is going, going to be a lot harder to find those type of yeah. guys this year because of all the restrictions that we've talked about with pre-draft visits and and pro days and whatnot um I, I think it's going to really it's going to be really interesting to to sort of pivot a little bit but just to see how different teams approach this draft class whether teams I mean it, it's going to benefit teams like the Patriots that have stronger smarter kind of intellectual or, or interior uh, kind of brain trust that have been in place for a long time and know what they're doing. But it'll be interesting to see whether teams will take the shot on somebody that take a shot on a Keon Crossan that the Patriots found at a pro day a couple of years ago. They're not going to have that chance to do that yeah. this year. So our team's just going to load up on SEC talent and players that they know really well, or are they going, which teams are going to be willing to kind of, go out on a limb for for a guy that maybe has some injury concerns or played a, a lower level of competition or or some of the kind of variables like that that teams can usually sort through a lot better in these pro days and pre-draft workouts it's it's going to be fascinating I'm sure it's extremely difficult for a lot of those people in the front offices right now and I do think the Patriots are set up better for the draft this year than other teams who might have might have you know as strong at the top of their front office but I think that there's going to be far fewer players who were not invited to the combine drafted this year. And if you go through the past, this is just off the top of my head because I've been doing specific research on this, but just thinking about Patriots players who have been drafted who were not invited to the combine, Ted Karras, Elandon Roberts, Shaq Mason, Sebastian Vollmer, you mentioned Juwan Bentley earlier, all of those guys not invited to the combine. I think Kamu Grugier-Hill was another one. Uh, Keon Crossan. So the Patriots sometimes take those guys who weren't invited to the combine pretty high. I mean, Sebastian Vollmer, non-combine invitee, second round. Shaq Mason didn't get invited to the combine. Fourth round. A couple six-rounders I mentioned in there as well. Juwan Bentley, a fifth rounder, not invited to the combine. And sometimes these guys show out by their pro day numbers. I know that Sebastian Vollmer worked out really well at the combine. Uh, Keon Crossan worked out really well uh, at, at their pro days. Uh, Kamu worked out really well at his pro day. So, and Shaq Mason was another one who was super athletic at his pro day. So a lot of those guys will fly even further under the, under the radar. And yeah, maybe the Patriots have still, you know, noted them and there's going to be basically no information on them. But sometimes those guys do really stand out at their pro day and that's how they get on the Patriots radar. So I'm very curious to see how far the Patriots go beyond the combine list uh, in taking prospects this year, because they met all the guys at the, at the combine. They now don't get to meet them at the pro day. So unless they set up FaceTime calls or unless they were talking to them at all-star games, 
they might not have enough information on them this year. Yep, Nate Ebner is another one of those. Yeah. Uh, Deron Harmon wasn't a combine invite, oh, correct? Right. Yeah, I think um, so. Right. He was he was yeah. one of the more high profile Third ones round. there. And then even players who were invited to the combine but didn't participate in one or more of the drills for whatever reason. Patriots have a history of drafting those guys as well. I mean, Isaiah Wynn didn't do any drills at the Combine. Braxton Berrios didn't do drills. Brian Stork going back a couple of years. And a lot of the players that have been connected to the Patriots in, in some form or fashion through mock drafts or just rumors or anything else are guys that did not run or did not participate in drills at, at the Combine. We mentioned Thaddeus Moss earlier. Uh, Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU, didn't do drills down in Indy. Um, T. Higgins, Van Jefferson, Lynn Bowden, a couple wide receivers, uh, Terrell Lewis, Anthony Jennings, a couple guys from uh, uh, Edge guys from Alabama. There are a lot of a lot of players that are kind of popping up as as potential Patriots targets that they're going to have a a limited kind of scope of information on because they didn't work out of the combine and they didn't have those pro days to get those numbers in there. Who was the guy that Belichick worked out during the combine? Ty, Tyson Render. And where'd he go? Chattanooga or something? Uh, Middle Tennessee. Middle and I have Tennessee. not seen his name anywhere else since then, which means the Patriots will most likely draft him in the fourth round. <laughs> I, quite honestly, probably. I mean, it, it kind of goes to show, I don't think any other head coaches or general managers were working out guys from Middle Tennessee State yeah. uh, during the NFL scouting combine. So, I mean, I legitimately wonder if Bill Belichick saw this coronavirus thing coming down the line and said, let's try to get out of this as, as, as fast as we can or as early as we can to try to look at some of these smaller school guys and actually get some more information on them if they're not going to be invited to the combine. It, it wouldn't shock me um, because, I mean, people knew about coronavirus at the time. We didn't know that it was going to get to, to this level in, in the country, but now it really has sort of affected the draft strategy. So I would not be shocked if the Patriots did take Tyshawn Render just because the Patriots did work him out and they know a little bit more about him than any other team does. And, and even, if it is, even if it isn't Render specifically, right. the only reason we know about that visit is because Middle Tennessee State yeah. publicized it on their social media. I'm sure he was not the only player that Bill Belichick or somebody from the Patriots organization has worked out privately in a solo setting uh, since the – the NFL regular season or the NFL playoffs ended. So there are most likely uh, a few of those guys that, that are extremely below the radar right now that the Patriots have had their eye on. So I, I would not be surprised if this is a situation where the Patriots go very much off the board and, and select somebody that none of us have, have really heard uh, that much about. It's going to be fun because we won't <laughs> even have measurable stats on them or anything because these pro days just didn't happen this year. But uh, that will do it for this week's Nesson Patriots podcast. We will probably be back uh, next week to continue talking about the draft. Um, we'll keep it on Nesson.com for all of your Patriots coverage. Follow Zach on Twitter at ZachCoxNesson. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide. Like I said, if you will be cranking out a lot of content uh, at Nesson.com while we're sitting here at home about the NFL draft because it, it's the number one show in town. So certainly keep it on there for all the latest information on the Patriots and on the draft. Thank you.